What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. Today's podcast is called Draw a Line. What do you guys think of when you, when you, when you hear that term, draw a line? I think of the old westerns like John Wayne or Clint Eastwood. And, you know, there's a, um, uh, a few good, you know, is it a few good men? That's that one. Uh, he, anyway, but he draws a line in the sand and he's like, you can come this far and no further. And like this, this face-off between two enemies, you know, usually in the open, open street and there's tumbleweeds and stuff rolling down the block. But today we're talking about drawing a line. You know, for us as, as children of God, there's, there's different relationships we have in the kingdom of God. We have the relationship with our Father. We have the relationship with, with other believers and other people. And then we have the relationship with, uh, if you can call it a relationship, but our relationship to the enemy the defeated one. And so we're going to talk a little about, about the dynamics of that and some common mistakes. But um, uh, everything I'm coming from today comes from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is such an awesome book. I think, you know, I grew up uh, most of my life reading from the King James. And I think a lot of times we hear these, uh, we hear these um, scriptures so much in a certain version that it can almost like fall on deaf ears because it's almost like, man, I've heard that so many times that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light that you may know what is the hope of your calling. But to actually sit down and dig into these things and see it's there's a reason why we pray these Ephesian prayers in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. So um, let's dive in here together. First of all, thanks to everyone who's been hopping on and, and screenshotting and, and posting on um, Instagram. It's uh, awesome to hear that. We've gotten to be in touch a little bit with some of the overseas listeners, which is super cool. And then obviously some of the local ones here too, but we appreciate all the feedback. But, um, you know, there's uh, uh, our relationship first with our father, um, uh, understanding what God is, who God has called us to be. We talk about identity on this program a lot because I believe it's the second half of the gospel. It's, hey, it's what Jesus did, but then who we are because of what he did. And so understanding, I remember it was uh, Kenneth Hagin, he said that um, when he prayed, he prayed the Ephesians prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he said he would spend hours just saying, thank you, Lord, that you're my very own father. God, you're my very own father. Um, becoming to, coming to a realization that God has fathered us, that yes, we have parents after the flesh who gave birth to us and raised us and all that, but we have an eternal father, a father in heaven, and understanding then that he's a good father to us as well. But Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 says here, um, well, verse 4 says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he's loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved. Verse 6, and has raised us up up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So just for the visual of it, the posture towards God or our attitude towards God is a seated attitude. It's a place where God is our father. Um, we've been brought into a relationship by the blood of Jesus. We're not guilty anymore. When he looks on us, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see us. He doesn't see our mistakes. He sees the blood of Jesus. He sees us. He sees the blood that's on the mercy seat. And because of that, not only, you know, people have this idea in prayer of like, oh, I come to God and, you know, I repent for the thing that I did three years ago that I still haven't felt like I've gotten forgiveness for. And maybe if I, uh, this time I really mean he's really going to forgive me. That's where we just need to be able to, by the word of God, deal with our conscience. You know, that's what the blood of Jesus is for. But it's a place of full confidence towards God where we're relaxed, resting in the presence of God because there's no work to be done to get into the presence of God. It's been paid for. You know, the Bible says that salvation is 
not of works, lest any man should boast. But then people say, well, what about the Bible says faith without works is dead. Um, that's completely true. Faith without works is dead. People who are born again will have accompanying works, but there's nothing we could do besides confessing Jesus, believing in our heart. There's no price we could pay to come into fellowship. So our first relationship with God is one that's seated. The Bible says we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Man, when we work backwards from this place, all of life becomes a victory. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And I say this often, but people, it's only the winning team that actually rejoices. The losing team isn't going to rejoice beforehand. It's the, it's the, or, or, or rejoice once the game is done or celebrate. It's the winning team that celebrates. So we get the privilege of looking at the victory of Christ Jesus and working our way backwards from there, living our way backwards from there. You have to remind yourself on a daily basis that you're part of the winning team. I heard someone um, last week say, man, he was like in his 70s. And he's like, and it dawned on me that I'm going to heaven. He's like, I won the game of life. I'm going to heaven. And the realization that we are children of God, as far as God is concerned, we're seated in a place of victory. We're living out Jesus' victory on the earth. We're the, we're the ones who are, we're the Israelites picking up the spoils of battle because God has gone before us and won the victory. So that's our first relationship is that God has brought us into a place of victory and we're seated. When we, when we come to God, it's a place of humility. It's a place of being seated, but it's a place of humility and thankfulness because first of all, man, understand that you couldn't get yourself there in the same way that if someone called me and was like, Hey man, I want to give you a spot on my jet and or I don't know, there was a TV show that we were uh, watching, I think it was called Lost in Space, but it's based on this like society, Earth is like going bad, right? Pollution, all this stuff. So they're like getting people off of Earth and like people, certain people, I don't know, I could be getting the shows mixed up. We've, I, I've watched some sci-fi over the years, but there's people who get chosen to go on this aircraft. It actually probably is a different show, but get chosen to go on this aircraft, lift it off into space, and they get selected to be there, understanding that because of someone else's mercy and grace, you're getting an opportunity to be lifted off the sinking ship, right? Um, that's what it is. So first of all, when we approach God, it's a, it's a place of humility. What I see happen, though, is people get the relationship with their, their humility towards God. They get it mixed up between a... T- timidity to their circumstance or things that go wrong. And that's really where it's a misunderstanding of the nature and the desires of God. And that's why getting clear on these things, people say, they pray prayers like, you know, Lord, if it be your will to heal me, I know you'll heal me. Man, that's that's such an uneducated prayer. That's such a lazy prayer. Like look in the Bible and see if there's actually anything in the Bible that it talks about the healing power of God. And if it's God's will, to heal us or not. And then you don't have to say, Lord, if it be your will, you can say, Lord, I know it's your will. So I thank you that you said healing is the children's bread. But people take the same relationship where they say, well, I want to be humble before God. And then the moment something comes along, a difficult circumstance, a storm, some trouble, you know, something gets stolen. They're almost like, well, you know, the Lord, he works in mysterious, they use these scriptures. He works in mysterious ways. His ways are higher than our ways. That, listen, that's not a higher way. That's a lower way. If God's good and all of a sudden it's him that's causing someone to be sick, that, that's, that, those don't fit into the same category. If I could walk into your house and make a family member sick, I wouldn't be considered, a family member of yours sick, I wouldn't be considered a good friend or a good person. Jesus went all over preaching the gospel, healing the sick. He didn't make one person sick. He healed a lot of sick, right? So getting that understanding right. So first of all, towards God, it's an approach of humility, approach of gratitude, but then a place of seating that we've, we're, we're, we start our life 
you know, on, on uh, I think it's pretty telling that on, um, that on creation, you know, God started creation. What day did he create man? He created man on the sixth day, and then God rested on the seventh day. So man's first day was the Sabbath, and God's created it to be that way, that when we get born again, man's first thing is to rest. We live from a place of rest. Adam was born. Adam was not born. He was created in a place of rest. His first duty, the first day of the week, was the day of rest. And that's how it's meant to be. God did the work so that we could rest. And it's the same in, in uh, salvation. He said, it is finished. And when he said, it is finished, the work was done. We were, we were then able to come into the kingdom of God, born into the supernatural rest, right? And so that's our relationship with God, place of it is finished and we're walking out the victory. The second place is a place of uh, brotherhood. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vacation wherewith you're called. Verse 32 says, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And then chapter 5 verse 2 says, this is Ephesians, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The posture towards mankind, to our brother, is one of walking. So the first one is sitting, this one is walking. Walking in love, walking in kindness. Be understanding that if some, if there's some something that someone's doing wrong, that it's only by the mercy and the grace of God that we're actually free from that same thing. I say it often, you know, people almost look at life like, you know, I used to deal with this sin, but then God gave me grace and he delivered me from it. And now I don't deal with it. You're still living in the grace of God. You, uh, this is important to understand. You, you are accessing a high level of the grace of God if you're living life free from sin. If you're walking in victory, if you're seeing the blessing of the Lord, you're accessing a high amount of grace. But understand that mercy needs to be extended to our fellow believers. People go through things. They need you to be there for them, to love them, not to judge them, to know that, man, if it wasn't for the grace of God, you'd be there too. So to your fellow man, walk in love, walk as brothers, walk in forgiveness, you know, show the same forgiveness you wish someone would show to you. Um, don't, don't, don't be an idiot and let people come around you and your family if, if you know they're going to abuse you. But show love and be a person who walks in love. The Bible says, greater love is no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. And ultimately, we're called to lay down our lives and our, our desires and our wants for fellow believers. So sit towards God, walk towards our fellow man. And then the posture that we should have towards the devil is one of standing. Um, Romans, excuse me, not Romans, Ephesians here, chapter 6 and verse 4 says, um, and that's, is it 4? No, 611, sorry. Uh, It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our posture towards the devil may needs to be one that we stand to resist him. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And it goes down, it says, And take up the helmet of salvation, which is and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication. And so it goes on, and so that's our posture. 
towards the enemy is one of standing. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee for you. When circumstances come your way, it's not your place to sit and just take it and be like, well, I guess this is just life, you know. Difficult times comes. The Lord knows I'm here. If he wants to deliver me for it, he'll deliver me for it. What is Jesus doing right now? He's seated as well. He's seated and he's called on you to walk out your dominion. The whole purpose for this podcast is to remind you that as a Christian, you are called to be a victorious person. There's no area of your life where you should walk in defeat. Spiritually in victory, not spiritually lazy, not spiritually feeling uh, apathetic, spiritually walking in victory, laying hands on the sick, man, seeing, seeing, seeing mighty miracles, seeing a great breakthrough in your finances, taking ground. This is what God has called us to do. And that's why he says, uh, uh, what is it? God who always calls, all thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. There's in the same way that there's, we're always to rejoice. We're always to triumph. This isn't a life, and we need to be reminded of this isn't a life where we take our hits and, you know, I took three blows and I gave two back or four back. You know, this is one where we're able to, through the victory that Jesus wrought, we're able to live life and take ground for the kingdom. What area in your life have you lost ground? Take a look and say, man, this is an area I need to gain some ground. Stop being humble towards the bad circumstances. The devil attacks and people are like, well, you know, God knows where I'm at. I've heard people say, you know, if God wants to talk to me, he knows where I'm at. If God wants to use me, he knows where I'm at. No, no, you need to be seeking after the things of God. You need to be running 100% for what God has called you to do, being faithful in your local church, reading in the reading the word, being in prayer, being where you are and see this this attitude, this passive attitude of like, well, you know, I'm just waiting on God. God, when Jesus said it is finished, besides the the second coming, besides when he comes back to get us, his work, he handed a, a perfect victory to us. And he handed it to us and says, now execute this. You're my ambassador. Walk this out on planet earth. How do we do that? Ryan, how do I do that? Well, you get in the word of God. You get victory in your spirit first. If I can leave anything with you is the only the word that's in your spirit is the word that's producing any fruit in your life. Only the word that you have hidden in your heart that comes through meditation. You know, the Bible says meditate in the word day and night. Before I go to bed every night, I have a scripture and I'll start to think of it and I'll meditate and I'll think the scripture through and it hides it in your heart. You know, Leviticus 26 says that God is leaning towards us with favor and regard for us, establishing us, multiplying us, making us fruitful, and ratifying his covenant with us. Man, I want God to make me fruitful, and he is by his word. He's making me, he's multiplying me. He's, he's establishing his covenant with me. He's leaning towards me with favor and regards for me. God has victory for you. I promise you, find the word. You're, you're champions. You're born to win. You're, you know what the, you know what a, if, if we're brother to the lion of Judah, you know what the brother to a lion is, a brother or sister to the lion? It's also a lion. You're a lion. You're a champion. You're a winner. This is going to be the best year that you've ever had. I, I, I speak to you now Yet you're going from glory to glory. You're not taking any setbacks. The devil may attack from one way, but he's going to flee from you in seven ways. This is going to be the greatest year of spiritual growth that you've ever seen. This will be the greatest year of victory that you've ever known. So remember, sit in, in heavenly places with Christ, walk in love, and stand and resist the devil. Bless you guys.